this is Wyatt from realisticpreparedness.com. Last week we published a folding knife comparison article, so I thought we'd add on to that theme and spend some time talking about knife blade steel as a companion piece to that article. Now, what we're going to talk about applies to any knife that you'd go out and buy today. Pocket knives, fixed blade knives, survival knives, tactical knives, you name it. The goal of this podcast is to give you a, a solid overview of some of the main things you should know about steel when shopping for a new knife. What we're going to see is that the type of steel chosen by the knife maker, the heat treating of that steel, and then the design of the blade all work together to make a, a really great knife. Well, first off, what goes into picking blade steel? Well, from the big knife company's point of view, they usually want a, a design that's going to give them a cheap and shiny knife. They're thinking about profit margin. They want knives that are going to sell easily, that'll look good in the store, in the knife case. So they want a steel that's inexpensive to purchase in bulk and material that's easy for them to cut into blade blanks from the bigger pieces of material and then quickly turn those into sharp blades, which can be heat treated and polished in large batches. On the other hand, a person shopping for a new knife wants a knife that's sharp, one that will hold an edge well. Uh, maybe being really resistant to rust is important if you're going to be around salt water or a damp environment. Uh, you want one that's tough so it won't break or chip with rough use. You want one that's strong so it won't bend if used as more than just a, a simple cutting tool. You want something that's easy to sharpen so it will stay sharp. They have a totally different set of requirements. And then you also have custom or semi-custom knife makers. These aren't big companies. These are the little guys. They produce smaller quantities of generally more expensive knives, but they can spend more time with each knife for inspection before it leaves their shop, and then they often produce more of a, a boutique product. They use higher-end materials, and sometimes they'll have uh, specialized designs that just aren't available from the, the big knife companies that produce things in bulk. Well, the reason that there's a lot of different steels out there being used to make knives is because no one steel can do everything we just talked about. Choosing a, a good steel starts with picking which of the characteristics we talked about is the most important. You can't have everything. You have to pick and choose. Getting steel to do what you want is a matter of balancing trade-offs. For example, a tool like a steel file. It's hard enough that you can literally use it to cut through other pieces of metal. But if you knock that file off your workbench onto the floor, it could break into pieces when it hits the concrete. It's sharp, it's hard, but it's really brittle. On the other extreme, the, the steel wire that people use for mending fences on ranches is so soft, you can twist it into loops with a pair of pliers. Well, what we want in a good knife is somewhere between the two extremes. We have to try to balance those things out. Now, there's many good knife steels out there. You have a bunch of different options that can do a good job for any given knife blade. Some steels with very different names can be made out of almost the exact same components and just come from different countries. The U.S., Japan, Europe, China, they all tend to name steels different things using different systems. Even though the, the end result can be metals that from these different countries, they're so similar in performance, the only way you could really tell them apart would be to take them into a lab and analyze the metal. Really the main thing to be concerned about when you're shopping for a knife is if you, you can't find out what steel a specific blade is made out of. The type of steel used should be a selling point for the knife. 
not something that needs to be hidden. It would be like you went out and designed a car with a really efficient engine, then you refuse to tell your customers what kind of gas mileage that you get, even though it's really good. It just doesn't make sense. A common example of this is you'll see knives that use 400 series stainless steel. 400 series isn't a steel. It's a whole category of steels that range from not all that great to excellent when it comes to making knife blades. So if someone is advertising 400 series stainless as their blade material, it'd be best to call the company or check out their website and find out specifically which metal are they really using from this family and then do your research and see if that particular steel is going to fit your needs. If you can't find out that information anywhere, I just look at another knife because the only real reason to hide this information from the customer is something kind of sketchy is going on. When you really get right down to it, steel just starts out as iron that has extra carbon added to it to make it strong and, and easy to heat treat. All the different varieties of steel come from adding small amounts of other elements to get different characteristics. For example, if you add chromium to steel, it makes it stainless steel. It's less likely to rust. It can still rust, but the more chromium you add, the less likely that is to happen. Nickel's added to make steel less likely to chip and crack if you're using your blade to chop away at something. Uh, manganese can make steel stronger. Vandium, you mix that in and it'll tend to give your knife a blade that uh, you can sharpen to a very fine edge. So there are all kinds of different additives and different combinations of them, and they're still coming up with new ones and new ways to make steel today. Well, next big thing to know is that extreme heating and cooling of steel changes it. If you leave your knife under the seat of your car on a summer day, it's not going to be a problem. But part of manufacturing a good knife blade is knowing the, the art and science of how to heat and cool the knife in, in such a way that the it exhibits the characteristics that you want that steel to have. We mean heating it up red hot and then cooling it down very quickly. And this really is a science. Is Each different steel kind of has a, a best practice to follow to get it to do what you want. What works great for a, a hand-forged, high-carbon steel knife would ruin some stainless steel blades. Now that said, some knife makers will tend to stick to a, a few different steels that they know really well and that they can heat treat properly. Other manufacturers actually send their blades out to experts as there are businesses that specialize in heat treating different metals and, and some have a lot of experience with knife blades and will specialize in that. Now, one of the things that made buck knives famous for making a good knife is their heat treating. All other knives are made from 420HC stainless steel, which isn't a, a bad steel. It's the high-carbon version of 420. But it also isn't anything new or amazing. It's not a space-age modern steel. But they pretty much perfected the heat treating on this metal so they could turn it into really good knives, and it's made them famous over the years. Unfortunately, you, you can't really tell a whole lot about how well a, a knife has been heat treated by just looking at it. But good knife makers know how important this is to their product and will often go to great lengths to make sure that their knives have been heat treated properly and, and test them before shipping out. And that's really the kind of thing that you're looking for. Well, as we mentioned earlier, the steel used, heat treatment, and blade design all really work together to affect how a knife performs. The main idea in blade design is, is angles, like you learn about in geometry and swore this is stupid and you'll never use this information when you were in school. Well, basically, 
thinner blades with smaller angles are going to be sharper than thicker blades with larger angles. But they will also tend to need resharpening more often, and they're going to be more susceptible to damage since the thinner blades with the smaller angles have less steel near the edge. And this is one of these trade-offs we're talking about in knife design. For example, the SOG Slim Jim that we took a look at in our article last week, it's a skinny knife with a thin blade. It's just wicked sharp, and it's a good choice for like a gentleman's carry pocket knife. A knife you're going to carry a lot, use a little, but it's not a good pick for a rough-and-tumble work knife you're going to be pulling out and using all the time to cut stuff. On the other hand, the Max Vision Ferox, a knife we looked at in the same article, has a thicker blade with a, a larger angle, and it would be a lot better suited for heavier work. There's just more metal on the knife closer to the edge. This is going to tend to give you a stronger, a more durable knife to work with. The advantage of the modern, fancier steels that different knife companies brag about using is that they let the knife maker do more advanced things with the design of the knife. One of these more expensive steels might end up being stronger than the good everyday steel used in most, most blades. It can be turned into a, a lighter, thinner bladed knife that isn't any more likely to break, but will cut better than its, its thicker bladed cousin due to the smaller angles that are possible with the more advanced metal. We can sum up the relationship between steel choice and blade design by imagining two knives with the exact same blade design sharpened at the exact same angle but made from two different steels. If you were to pick up both knives and test them one right after the other, they would cut identically. Fancier steels let you design thinner, lighter knives that are just as strong as a thicker blade made from a more common steel. Using a, one of these new fancy steels without changing the design of the blade really short changes the advantage of spending extra money for that fancier metal. Heat treating comes into play by making sure that the knife works for you as long as it can and does everything that it can do within the limits of the steel choice and the blade design. Now, another knife-related concept that you're really likely to run across when you start to research what knife would be the next best one to buy for you is uh, kind of an, an endless debate. Uh, the question is, what process makes a better knife, forging or stock removal? And this question is usually innocently asked by someone who's saving up money to buy their first really nice knife and doesn't realize that a Google search on this topic would return hundreds of thousands of hits from people who have asked basically the same question on countless online forums. Um, the short answer is that forging and stock removal are two main ways for knife makers to design and produce blades. Both ways can make a good knife if they're done well. For forging, you heat up a piece of metal and beat it into a knife-like shape using a hammer and an anvil. Stock removal is taking a larger chunk of metal and then grinding it down into the shape of a knife. In general, forging is done with high carbon steel and stock removal is done with stainless steel, but there's a few exceptions to that idea. Many knife makers, they're artists and they're innovators and they're always trying new things. But most of the knives you see in a store are going to be made by stock removal. Uh, this process can be more easily automated and you can have robots crank out most of the work to make these knives in batches and, and shiny stainless steel blades sell well. 
The trick with high carbon steel is that it can be heat treated kind of like an axe blade, which is called differential heat treatment. Um, this is done by somebody who really knows their stuff, and it'll make a really tough blade. What they do is they heat treat the edge of the knife to be really hard, while the back of the blade is made springy. And this gives you a knife that's really durable. It's the kind of knife you'd want to buy for something extreme, like if you had to hack a hole through a wall to escape a burning building or something crazy like that. This is the kind of knife you'd want. The good news from all these different things these days is that there are more good, affordable knives out there than ever before. Um, with a little research and kind of thought and what you're going to be doing with your new knife, it, it's really hard to go wrong when picking one out. As always, don't forget that we plan and prepare so that we don't have to worry about things, not so that we can worry about them. And you can find more about this and other related topics at realisticpreparedness.com. Take care, and we'll see you soon.